This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. So we're here with Brian Murphy, Chris Long filling in while we're all at work. Uh, Mackie and Judd taking the day off, no surprise. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to raise the bell? Minnesota active hands here. They have really been aggressive. Tyus sets up towns and catch. Butler finds Tyus for three. Drills the triple. I thought we got off to a good start. I thought the activity at the beginning of the game was very good. Um, you know, and obviously the concern is the consistency to be able to do it throughout the game. So, um, yeah, I want to take a look at the film, but there were, I thought there were a lot of good things. Brian Murphy, Chris Long, like I mentioned, filling in for Mackie and Judd this morning. Brian Murphy, this is the kind of game that we, I think, we're expecting out of the Minnesota Timberwolves, who 12-8 and eight so far this season. It's kind of been fits and starts, but... They had a pretty balanced attack last night, though. Is this who they really are, is the question I keep having, because they have a three-game win streak, and then they lose to Miami, and then it's sort of been forward and backward, and... You got to stick with it, man. Early on, it's only November still. Uh, that's the problem I'm having is that if, if they're this inconsistent in February or March, I'd be asking more questions. But right now, you got to take what you can get here early in the season. It's been interesting watching how the evolution of external view on Carl Anthony Towns has sort of developed. Uh, I heard a show on, as they say, another network talking about how he's not shooting enough and his defensive efforts not there. The guy's averaging 21 and 11. He makes it look so effortlessly. I think that's why people probably question him a lot. But you look at last night's game. I mean, he's aggressive. He's he's attacking. And I've said it from the jump. You can say all you want about uh, about Jimmy Butler coming in. Um, there are plenty of opinions on Andrew Wiggins. Uh, what's going on with him? But this team, at least for the foreseeable future, starts with the big it's man. It's going to come and go with with Carl Anthony Towns. And I think the biggest thing last night. I didn't watch the whole game, but I I, I watched the end of the game and I got the gist that. He just came out and attacked. I mean, I think he had five or six offensive rebounds. That's what he's going to need to be doing to sort of pull the rest of the team with him. He's such a beast, too. And, I, you know, I think it, for him, as he's evolving as a professional, too, it's you have to show up every night. I know that sounds so so pat, but it's right. true. I mean, you have, to make a, you have to make a decision that I'm going to be the best man out there. I'm going to take down my man, and I'm going to win my battles. And if he does that on a consistent basis, I don't see anything that is going to stop him from becoming the most elite big man in the in uh, in the league right now, but I st- I still think it's a mentality. I still think it's a he's coming out of that college mentality where he could dominate without even trying, and now he's he's still going up against professionals back to back nights. That whole thing. I still think he's adjusting to that. But boy, you look at what he was able to do last night, and look what Tyus Jones did too in a in a reserve role, uh, playing both ways and instilling some confidence with uh, Jeff Teague out. Yeah, and still kind of weird. I, I expected that Teague was going to play. I know it was a game-time decision, and I hadn't heard much about that injury. Uh, full disclosure, for this, this going to be an interesting show through. Brian was out of town all weekend. I was locked in at the prep bowl, so I'm getting a lot of my information 
from we're, 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 we did a little bit of cramming, as a lot, they say. A lot of a lot of catching up, and I was surprised to and I saw it last night when I was watching the replay of the game. I didn't realize that, that with Teague out, that Tyus Jones was going to get to start. Um, handled it well. I think the most impressive thing you can say from him, but not just the assist, he had seven steals. Seven, seven steals. That that shows a, a defensive commitment that you don't always see from him. And and from what I've seen, I. I, I, may, I maybe I'll admit I don't know. I'm, I'm not next level basketball guy. I can yeah. watch a game. I can tell you what's going on, but it's not a sport that I can dive in the Correct. deepest. I figured Tyus Jones, with what I saw in high school and obviously what we saw at Duke, was going to have no problem transitioning to the NBA. I didn't think he'd click right away, but I thought he would click better than he did. Well, now all of a sudden, he's become a viable. I don't know that he's a starting point guard. But he can play point guard in the NBA. Well, you should. And, and last night was the first time I've seen evidence that the, the game is not moving too quickly for him, and he's absolutely got a role in it. It should show Tom Thibodeau that he shouldn't. He should have some confidence in at least bringing him in off the bench and not, you know, kind of looking between fan fingers, you know, to see what may may happen next. You always wonder about his size if that's going to all, you know. But that that's who he's been. That's who he's been his whole life, and nothing's going to change with that. I. You mentioned the, the the steals. I mean, I think that's the most important stat out there because sure. again, it shows us. His level of commitment on defense, which is which is where all young players are going to struggle in the NBA, is trying to come up with the, the attitude and the mental makeup to, to be a good defender. And also, you know, he's going to distribute the ball. He didn't take a ton of shots, but he did make the mid-range shots that he took. It was an all-around complete game from him, and it's got to be a big confidence booster not only for him, but for Tibbs and the rest of the bench or the rest of the team because now they don't have to sit there and look around and wonder, you know, is this kid going to really be able to make, make it through because – this is not necessarily an experimental year anymore. They obviously are a contending team this year. Yep. This is a team where there's a lot more at stake. This isn't about just look. It's about growing and learning, but it's about winning games right now, and that's where the expectation is. When we're, we're between in that no man's land between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and, and you kind of said it earlier, when can you start making decisions about this team? Well, you always say 25 games is the, you know, is the, they're, they're about 20 in right now, so I'd say... You know, as Two you weeks. get to the quarter pole, you can start to make get some impressions. You got to look at the season sort of as quadrants, right? You go to the first quarter yep. and the second quarter, and by midseason, you should yeah, obviously know who you have. But you're going to have to start into running running into injury problems. You're going to have slumps. You're going to have streaks. Um, you're going to have s- spots where the team doesn't have much confidence. You're going to have a lot of tough travel games. I mean, it, I I would say by by the next couple of weeks, by Christmas time, you should be able to make a pretty good judgment. You know what's neat about it? Everyone, everyone, many fans have already bought in. You're seeing sellouts. They bought in in the summer. You're seeing sellouts now for games that would have drawn 10,000 people tops last year. I don't know if the, the, I was looking for the box score, but I can't find the attendance on the Suns game. But I, I know there have been a couple games that I've heard assault. You know, I hear on the telecast, sellout crowd at Target Center. And I go, 16,000 last night. So that's close. It's that's a good size closer crowd. Than it, Sunday, it was a Sunday afternoon, actually. With. Football on, football and on, shopping, and, putting lights up, all that stuff. And and because of that, I think that there's, and look, I don't want to get too rah-rah about the team, but I think that catches on. I think these teams over the last decade, when you get into a game like last night at home, if there's 10,000 people, 9,000 people sitting on their hands looking at their phones, yes, the players have to be professionals, and yes, they're getting paid a lot of money to do what they do, and yes, they're some of the best athletes in the world, but... It's tough to perform when there's, you know, you can only motivate yourself so far. 
And that's a fair statement for any athlete. Well, and then the flip side to that is, too, from the fan standpoint, there's only so much you can invest exactly. if there's not effort and there's not results. So I think you're seeing that going hand in hand right now. This is an entertaining quality. This is a quality entertainment product. Brook in the shotgun as Taylor to his left. He'll give it to Taylor. Running right to the 50, 45, 40. Taylor, 35, 30. Still up. Down the sideline. Taylor to 10. Taylor to 5. Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor. 53 yards. And it's 30 to nothing. Wisconsin. Well, this was unacceptable tonight. Period. The actual performance tonight, unacceptable. There's no way that... We're going to look like that next year. The one thing I, I love you know, about games is and people say, we could have did this, could have did that, should have done this, should have done that. We are exactly where we are. That's the reality. Whether people want to ignore that or talk about years past or talk about this or that, we are exactly where we are. And I'm hired to fix it. And we'll fix it. The, Recruiting, is. development, strength and conditioning, that's what we'll do within our program. The guys that stay will be champions You've been to enough. He's flight. still selling. You've been he's to enough press through. conferences to know to wait till he's totally. That's done. true. That's true. I, <laughs> I, I committed a balk there. Uh, you're right. I mean, and it's tough. To, worst possible ending to the season. Yes. I mean, two straight shutouts. Come on. And then even in the previous games, they didn't put up much. I mean, their offense is nothing. You. It's so hard to balance. It's kind of like the conversation we talked with the Timberwolves, where. They're still in this early stage of what they're putting together. You have to say P.J. Fleck is still in the early stages of what he's putting together. Yeah. Obviously, the offensive line had some difficulties. The There's no receiving game. Once Tyler Johnson got hurt, there was no receiving game. Not, no, not even a threat of a receiving game. Chicken egg, receivers, quarterback. I, I don't know where the, the problem there is. I know that Connor Rhoda wasn't the best option, and, and Demery Croft certainly wasn't the best option. I don't even know that at this point he was the better option. Um I still am buying. If you are selling your PJ Flex stock, I'm still buying it, but I don't think it's increasing at the rate that everybody had had maybe hoped. But he's never promised anything. Not for the not. No, he not, never. Not this he, year. He didn't come in. You know, talking about snipping. Uh, you know, grass and Pasadena's. Right. Yes. So uh, I give him credit for that. He didn't go too far out on a limb. But boy, you come in that strong, and you're coming off an eight and four season in a bowl victory, as chaotic as it was last year, and you post five and seven and two straight shutouts to end it, including at home to your arch rival. Uh, there's some, there's going to be some answers, some explaining to do, and especially at the quarterback position, we already know where that is kind of unraveling right now. And, and yeah, I mean, 24 hours after the game and season, and the news comes that Demery Croft has asked for, if you hadn't heard, he's asked for his transfer and has been granted it. Uh, did not go to the team banquet yesterday. Apparently which, wasn't even asked. Well... I've seen, uh, nobody's come out and said anything outright yet. It sounds like it may have been a mutual, hey, look, maybe this is best. Um, just cut bait now. Doogie made a pretty good point. I saw Darren Wolfson, on uh, Mr. Gopher, on Twitter just saying, if you're Croft, you'd almost, you'd like to see him say, even, you know, hey, okay, Demer, you're going to transfer. That's fine. Take the high road. All's well. But, Coach, let me, uh, let me, I'd like to come to the banquet. I'd like to come. Spend I've, one, I've battled with these guys. I'd like Let to me, come spend one more day with these yeah. guys. Um, so that makes you wonder. Well, you got to also wonder about the what, go ahead the earlier disciplinary problem in the season, and uh, you know we, that didn't really come out exactly what that was. So what we're hearing now is maybe an extension of that. And that's you know and that's where it gets dangerous speculating because we yeah. all thought we had a pretty good idea of what had happened with that disciplinary thing earlier this year. I'm not so sure now, based on what's happened in the last 48 hours. Um, but 
it, it does make you. It, it's a bad look for Fleck. There's no way around yeah, that. The whole the whole season, the whole way it ended, the, the whole way it looks, the optics. The guy you went with, the horse you chose to ride, failed. He just for whatever reason, whether it was his fault or not, wasn't good. I mean, some of the numbers were five or fewer completions in four of six Big Ten starts. Never double digits the whole time through. Never it, completed double digit passes the whole season. And, and was under fifty passing yards in at least half the games. I mean, that's. It's not 1960. Including you're getting rolled. It's not 1930 is what you mean. I mean, we're talking single wing here. I mean, you're down 30 points to Wisconsin, and you're still not throwing the ball. I mean, that's an indictment if there ever was on your starting quarterback. And we can get into this later in the show, but you put away the year zero idea, uh, which I I didn't agree with that at all because that basically tells the seniors on your team, sorry, fellas. Sorry, you've been forsaken. Sorry, fellas. Um, But... not a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel. Now, there never is when you're a program in this situation where you've gone through what is now a complete rebuild and you're going to restart with with quarterback. But, you know, it, it's the low-hanging fruit of sports talk radio to focus on quarterback. But there's... Well, there's no question. Nothing there. There's There hasn't been. And there hasn't been. Well, yeah, There hasn't been for years. Look I mean, the, you can go back to the backtrack. Adam, I mean, Adam Weber's. you got to go that a, far back. Adam Weber, and that's almost, what, nine, ten, ten years. years ago? Yeah. I mean, he seemed like he played here for ten years, but it, <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, wait, Marquise Gray, Philip Nelson, you can go down the list. It's just not Chris Strebler, who just had an oh. All American season at South Dakota. We can get into that later because that's he's an interesting case study. I, I I didn't know what they had when he was here, and I don't want to second guess Hill, Clay's, anybody. But you got a guy who had a pretty darn good season. He against made it different work. competition, but if you ask me right now, who? Would have been better for the. Could they have made a bowl with him at quarterback? Easy, easy to say in hindsight, but could he have done it against Big Ten competition too? It couldn't have been much worse. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's absolutely true. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Go, Pat, go! I don't believe in moral victories, man. That that's a loser's mentality. Because I'll tell you what, they had a minute and twenty seconds, and what do they do? Run, run, run. I want Mike McCarthy fired. I'm sorry. I don't care. I might be in the majority, but he sucks, and I'm going to go because I'm so freaking pissed off that I want I want to punch him right in his big fat mouth. <laughs> go, Pat, go. Never gets old. I might be in the majority, but I think I don't <laughs> think that's what he meant. But God love him. They must have been a few cases in at that point. They are the gift that keeps on giving this holiday season. You're exactly right. No, he's not Case Keenum, but can he be Case Keenum? Yes. Yes, he can. Yes, Hartley can. Can he be better than Osweiler? Yes, he can. Should I go on all the other quarterbacks? Can he be like Tyrod? Yes, he can. But them jokers ain't won on Super Bowl, but yeah, he can be like those cats. Right. Can he win a Super Bowl for you? No. I mean, can that he? almost sounded like resigned to anger there. Can he be like those cats? Can, sure. Can he be? <laughs> yeah. So. But uh, if he's had the chance to, and he hasn't really shown anything. like, Although he had a pretty good, he had a great start yesterday. I mean, that's as good as Hundley's looked. Uh, and, and doing it against that defense on the road uh, looks solid. Three touchdowns, I think, and early on. And, yeah, and then they turned up the heat and figured it out second half, and he went back, right back to being Brett Hundley. But I, the good thing is, if you're a Viking fan, it's over. Aaron Rodgers is not coming back this year. There was always that fear that they that, roll that him week, out there week, week 16, 16 yep, yep. just to try to 
give you the old middle finger there. No, we're going to knock you out of whatever, whether it's the one seed, two seed. There's no way that's going to happen. Now. No, it doesn't make sense from a injury and a you know security standpoint to be doing that. And I <laughs> throwing the ball 54 yards in pregame yesterday. That's what they said, huh? You look pretty good, why, pretty why, spry. Why would you? Don't you look at what the Colts have done with Andrew Luck and say he could probably come back right now? I don't care. I have a right that down prediction going <laughs> on this that he's going to be back in Week 16, so he wants to stick it to the purple. He wants to stick it to Anthony Barr, exactly. but he also he also is throwing in warmups without pads on and not having any rushing linemen on him is a completely different story. That's no big deal. Okay, let's ignore that. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't see. I mean. I say that, and there is the little voice in the back of my head saying, if Aaron Rodgers shows up at practice on Monday that week and says, I'm playing, can they tell him no? Probably not. Think about what's going on behind the scenes Long term, is that that the decision? Who's making that decision? I mean, and who's controlling that? Well, didn't we have that big thing about three weeks ago where somebody unearthed that there's an out in his contract and he could exercise it Mm -hmm. and... Do they worry is about? He, is he really going to play that power play? God, he'd look good in purple. Twenty eighteen. If, any, if anybody, if anybody would, oh, don't come even, on, don't even, live don't, the don't, dream with we, me. We did that for like two days. I don't care. Do it again. You never say never, right? I, he wouldn't do that because it's what Favre did, and he wouldn't want to be That's linked a with great Favre. Point. He would not want to be linked with Brett Favre in any way <laughs> to that kind of a move. He wants to. He wants to keep his distance from Favre as as much as he can. He <laughs> okay, would so never go, do that. He'll go to Chicago unless he. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he's that mad at the Packers. Well, then then go to Chicago. You're right. It's that weird fallacy here that we build up the Packers. Vikings is the... It's it's the Minnesota in us. We build up the Vikings as the Packers are traveling. They're, they're, They're not. It's the Bears. But they still go on their fan line and do what they do. So Yeah, I think they hate us almost as much as the Bears now in the last few years. I really think they do. What do you mean? They've switched their 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 animosities here. No, I they've think, always hated the Vikings. No, but I don't think to the degree they hate the Bears. Packers fans will tell you that the Bears are because their biggest the sto- rival, it's, it, and it's been storied for longer because obviously it's been a hundred years and whatnot. And, and it's a little bit closer geographically. I get all that. Packer fans that we encounter, it's obviously amplified here. But I think if you go into Milwaukee or Green Bay, it's 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 the Bears, which makes. Aaron Rodgers playing for, well, I was going to say John Fox, but he he gone. No, he no Fox will be out of there. He's Brian Murphy. I'm Chris Long. Mackie and Judd taking a, we're all back at work. Survived the holiday, dragged ourselves out, got here today. Those guys are milking it for one more day, uh, but we'll, we'll give them the break. Uh, plenty coming up on Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Let's get back. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Yes, we're back here. Uh, we were wondering, we were speculating about as we were kind of coming off, or, you know, before we went off the air about what went down with Demry Croft, but we're not going to necessarily dive too deeply into that. But we were wondering, how did, how did it, get, how did it come to this to the point where 24 right. hours later he's walking out the door? And you have to wonder if was this brewing? Do you give Demry Croft credit for playing out the string? Because there's a lot of people. The, the easy answer is you're abandoning the team. This guy named you the starter and stuck by you all year. Fleck, that is. How dare you, after the way you played, walk out after that last game? I don't know. I have no... It's fresh. I don't have any information on this yet. Part of you wonders, did he just... Did he know three games ago, I'm out of here? Or did he know three months ago? Yeah. You know, when whatever happened... The initial kerfuffle came to light, yes. Sure. Instead of maybe Fleck protecting him if he did something foul... Maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe it was something that was a disciplinary decision that was based on uh, 
conduct. Unbecoming. In, yeah, say. yeah. So, yeah, so that's the... Do you give Croft? I wanted to leave. I knew October 5th I was leaving, but I had an obligation. I looked around and realized they needed me, and I'm going to play out the string. And I got to get some credibility if I transfer anyway. I got to, you know, they want to know yeah. how I looked on the field and how I performed and afforded myself the last two months. So we don't know, and that's, we, yeah. we don't know, and we're not going to know, I don't think. Um, Fleck runs a pretty tight ship and not a lot of leaks have come out of there. Well, unless Croft no, no talks. Pun in, no pun intended. But why would he? Yeah. What unless he's you'd like to think, and they're college kids, and we always I was an idiot in college. I'm, a, I'm an idiot now. Does he know where he's going? Probably not. No. Um, so it behooves him, obviously, to just not discuss the situation and move on. And maybe be honest with whoever his new coach is. Here's what happened. Here's why. Here's the thing, and move forward. I don't know that there's any. I would, I, I would hope that he would, just as someone who has interest in the football program. But I, I don't know that there's any compelling reason for him to say what happened, uh, unless he feels he was wronged somehow. But I think he would have done that already. Back. Yeah, it would have come out through his people already at this point. I think, and it sounds like his father was in on the meeting that he and 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 Demry and and PJ Fleck had. And what we will, I think, find out is whether it was contentious or whether it was. This clearly isn't working. Mutual. Um, you are courting this junior college quarterback. You had the interesting case is this kid from Ohio. What's his name? I always can't remember his name. Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong, who is up for player of the year in Ohio this year. All kinds of school records. His team's unbeaten. I think they're playing for a regional. I don't know the structure of Ohio high school football, but he has led his team to whatever goal they can attain. A lot. Now, he also has disciplinary thing going on, and that was sort of when everything fizzled. It all came together at the same time. It looked like Demry Croft was going to be P.J. Flex guy. And you didn't want to compete with him either, right? And that was the one that I've seen, and I don't, you know, it's we can do hot takes all day if we want. I don't know this to be fact, but yeah, a lot of it was, well, why am I going to go there when it's pretty clear they've got this guy who's a sophomore, and they're happy with, I don't want to come in and compete. That coincided with the kid getting caught at a beer bash, which... Kids don't drink, comma. I don't understand the big deal there. It happens in high school. It could have happened to me. It probably could have happened to you. Um, but kids don't drink. Uh, <laughs> nice public service I mean announcement. That. But but it is what it is. It's not like he you know threw somebody down the steps or knocked over a bank. I mean, but that became the thing. Well, there's some disciplinary things there too. So we're not that worried that he's deacon. Well. <laughs> Now that you're have, Tanner Morgan, I don't know anything about. I know his ha- past. I know how he got here. I've seen some tape of him from two, three years ago when he was in high school. Uh, Seth Green is an enigma. Yeah, he has been for months. Going back to senior year of high school, junior year of high school. Um, and then this the junior college kid that's coming in. Um, I got to look it up. Vic Vermontes. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Vic Vermontes. I know nothing Riverside about Riverside City College. I, I, how many JUCO transfers? I mean... Aaron Rodgers at Cal is the last one I can think of that made that kind of splash. I, I don't know anything about this kid. He could be amazing, but um, it sets up a, a, a crazy. Until there's an answer, you got to look at it and say, like I said in the last segment, how do you get out of this? You can't recruit that kind of class in a year, and you're losing some good seniors. There's going to be more transfers. Um, more patchwork is what you're saying. Yeah, and that's at the, at the and not at the ideal position. 
No, and, and when I think across the board at offense, I mean, you, there's no receivers. Your running backs are fine, but you got to build an offensive line there. You, you looked at the Wisconsin and Minnesota game, and the biggest difference between the two teams wasn't skill. It was size and speed. Well, Wisconsin's had a monopoly on offensive line right. for decades. They're right? what Nebraska used to be. Yeah. Um, but P.J. Flex said it after the, the Michigan loss. The difference there was size and speed. You can't just fix that. Rinse, lather, repeat. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. It's, it's the end of year zero and fine. Year I, zero. I am still buying PJ Flex stock, but this is not going to be a quick fix. And, and you, if he has three years like this, I understand he just got a contract extension. If we're having the same conversation in two years, uh, I'd say in a year, even. I'm not saying he's going to be on the hot seat per se but, in a year, but, but if we're of, having the same conversation, that year zero kind of morphs into year one asterisk. But I'm building that argument where it, how different can it be next year? Remember, they go back to the tougher, the schedule swings. Yeah, they do swing To back. the tough next year. Um, Ohio State, what, Penn State. You know, I, we just put this season to bed. I don't want to start saying what's the realistic goal for next year, but a year like this, Next year is certainly not unthinkable because there can't be, um, unless you believe in this junior college guy, or if you believe that Tanner Morgan, you know, the reason they played Croft and and, and um, Rota this year was to protect a redshirt for a guy who he hopes will be a four-year starting quarterback. I don't know enough about Tanner Morgan to say that, and I don't know that P.J. Fleck would stake his entire future here on a kid who was okay coming out of high school. But I don't know. But he has the security to not have to do that necessarily. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but I, I'm trying to build. I'm not trying to build. I'm, I'm not stumping for the program here. You're you, speaking as flex. You have to. Yes. You have to give the guy time. And there's people that are jumping on him now. One of them who sits in one of these seats in the afternoons and makes for wonderful radio. And I don't disagree with a lot of what he says. But you can't call for the guy's head now. And I don't think if we're sitting here having the same conversation this time next year, I don't think you can call for his head then either. No, but you can sharpen the blade, and you can yeah. get the guillotine ready, for lack of a better metaphor. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, this fan base has been abused too long. It's been abused. And that's part of the, it. The, right. So there's scar tissue, and there's there's fatalism. It runs deep. I mean, when you're talking about a 50-year conference title drought, and you're talking about a lot of salesmen that have come in here over the years, from Lou Holtz to Tim Brewster, that have come in here selling, selling hard, and whether they are committed to it or whether the school's committed to them, either way, they were gone and everything was had collapsed very shortly after that. Are you buying or selling? Uh, long-term, whatever that means, I guess. I'm buying long-term, but define long-term and who's who's defining long-term and who's going to be patient enough for long-term. I'm buying still. All right. Uh, coming up, we're going to bring in Kevin Seifert Monday. We'll talk to him. It feels like nine years ago the Vikings played, but uh, we'll yeah. talk a little Vikings-Lions. We'll sort of talk uh, NFL at large with Kevin Seifert. Coming up, Brian Murphy, Chris Long, in for Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. A lot of people consider that the second greatest radio team in Minnesota history. Mackey and Judd. Behind <laughs> Joe and Pat. <laughs> <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Here is pressure on Keenum. Touchdown for Rudolph. What a throw by Keenum under heavy pressure. And Kyle Rudolph has got his second of the game. 
Week 7 of the Is Case Keenum for Real Watch here on 1500 ESPN. Chris Long and Brian Murphy in for Mackie and Judd this morning. Dave Harrigan along as well. Uh, n- nobody better to maybe break this down than Kevin Seifert from NFL Nation, ESPN.com. Kevin, I, we, I feel like this has been the first question out of the gate every Monday since like September 20th. Hey, Case Keenum, is he for real? I don't see how he, uh, you can't consider him for real, at least in 2017. Uh, he's done way too much over way too long a period of time to think this is just a couple-game blip here. I read an interesting—sorry, sorry, Brian. I read an interesting article um, on a competitor, so I won't call him out by name for you. But No, uh, go right ahead. I think it was PFT that basically okay. said what Case Keenum has shown this year is that we, as an NFL and a fan, as a, a football-consuming fan base— have no idea how to evaluate quarterbacks. If you look at what's happened over the last year, and the names they offered were Glennon, Hoyer, Cutler, Keenum. Somebody decided that Mike Glennon is worth, what, five times more than Case Keenum? And would you have staked anything that Keenum would have done what he did this year? Probably not. But you would have thought that someone in the front office that's in charge of writing those checks would have looked at everybody and said, well, maybe there's something here with this guy. What is it about quarterbacks that is making it so hard for teams to get this right? I just I, I think it's the context, you know, that every quarterback has a certain amount of skills, a certain uh, aptitude, um, and a certain uh, ceiling. I think, uh, but teams probably don't spend enough time considering the context in which you're going to be dropping that quarterback into. I guess, um, you know, the, the level of coaching, the stability of the coaching, the uh, offensive line, the, the the weapons, the the defense. Um, if, Kate, if you had dropped Case Keenum into uh, Mike Glennon's spot as the opening day starter of the Bears, would it have gone any better? Quite possibly not. You know, and that's um, something that that teams maybe have blinders on in terms of their own uh, environment that they've created for these quarterbacks. Uh, if you dropped Case Keenum into Cleveland, would it have gone as well? Um, obviously not. Um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Uh, so the, it's kind of a broad statement, but I think that's what uh, teams probably misjudge is the context you're dropping these quarterbacks into. And maybe your analysis of how well those players can perform, you know, uh, independent of that context. And there's not a lot, uh, I think, that we can still agree on of quarterbacks that can, that can come into a situation and raise it demonstrably. Um, there's some. Uh, we've seen that Aaron Rodgers can be one. We we would assume that Tom Brady could be one and Drew Brees and a few others. But the rest um, need some help. And Case Keenum, not it's not taking anything away from him to say that he's received some significant contextual help this year that uh, has allowed him to perform at the high end of his capabilities. And let's be clear, too, the Vikings probably never went into a scenario where they were looking to sign a backup quarterback that would end up starting nine-plus games with an open-ended uh, assignment to him. I mean, if they were thinking of anything, it was probably maybe we can get a spot start or two here and there to get us between, you know, maybe if Bradford gets nicked up or we can bridge the gap to Teddy Bridgewater not to take over. Well, it's interesting because they didn't, you know, Case Keenum was not nearly uh, the most um, uh, sought after free agent quarterback. I think they got him for $2 million, which is a very, a very low end uh, price tag for a backup number two quarterback with experience. Um, so they didn't. They did not sign a guy that they thought was going to be uh, playing a lot. The question is, uh, fortunately, they haven't faced this in a negative way. But should they have been? You know, when you had a guy with Sam Bradford with his injury um, history and a guy in Teddy Bridgewater who, at 
certainly in last March when all this came about, no one had any idea when he would be ready or if he would be ready or what the situation would be. So you wonder if if they were just looking for uh, somebody to, to hopefully stand on the sidelines or if they anticipated that with a starter with an injury history and a, and a future starter probably with a, a long road back, if they should have been anticipating somebody playing for a long time. And if they did, and they signed Case Keenum, and they got him for the deal that they had. It's the free agent signing of, of the decade. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if they probably, if they really anticipated that, or if anyone thought that after last year, Sam Bradford making it to the season as he did uh, in the year before with the Eagles as well, that he had gotten past that injury uh, history. I think we're going to find out more about the Vikings in the next two weeks than we maybe have in the 11 prior. You go on the road, Atlanta, you go on the road, Carolina. You lose them both, and everything changes. You win both. I guess I'd say everything stays the same, but here's where I'm stuck, Kevin. They're 9-2. and two, They're a game behind Philly. I still, and maybe it's just the state of the NFL where, especially if you look at the AFC, boy, there are a lot of mediocre teams. Yeah. Uh, didn't That didn't really crystallize in my mind until I looked at your, your column that you posted that has sort of the, the playoff picture on ESPN.com that sort of lays out where every team sits right now. I still look at the Vikings and just sort of go, I, I get that their defense is amazing, I still can't put together how they are two wins, really, in the next two weeks. I don't think the Eagles are going to finish with one loss, because especially because the NFC North, I don't think, is or NFC East isn't as good as we thought it would be at the beginning of the season. So the Eagles' 10-1 record, they've earned it, but I don't know if they're as good as we think they are. I keep looking at the Vikings and saying, are they this good? Are they a one seed? Are they a two seed? They've played like it, but I'm just still, I look at them, I still have a hard time saying, yeah, they are who we think they are. Well, I mean, it's all—it's always uh, relative and in context. And if you—if you don't think that they're as good as they are record-wise, then you say, "Okay, who's better?" And that's when you have to—that's when you get into the meat of that analysis. Um, are the Panthers better? Are the Saints better? They beat the Saints, you know, handily early in the year. Are the Rams better? Uh, they beat the Rams uh, relatively soundly. Um, are the Falcons going to end up being better than the Vikings? I mean, I, you could look at some teams that on a given day might be able to beat them, but I don't know that we can look at the course of a season and see too many teams that have played over the course of 11 or 12 weeks uh, much better than them. Um, so in the end, it's the Bill Parcell saying, you are what your record is, and they're, they have played uh, their schedule better than all but one team in the NFC, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, I don't where any team below them has demonstrated that they're demonstrably better than them. Um, could the Falcons beat them? Sure. Could the Panthers beat them? Sure. But uh, to this point, they have played better than all but one team in the NFC. Well, that's the thing. you got these two games on the road and at, at Atlanta this week and then the following week at Carolina. Yeah. Which of those two opponents do you think gives the Vikings more trouble? Atlanta's going to um, really test their defense. Uh, I think that they're coming around offensively. You know, It's taken some time for um, uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and, the, and Mohamed Sanu and the whole group there to get used to the new system, that, which is still the same system they were running, but with a different coordinator and play caller, that, that changes things a lot. Um, and so that has taken some time. But if you watch yesterday, if you watch some of their recent games, if you watch that Seattle game, it looks like uh, the Falcons are starting to put things together. So I mean, yesterday the Panthers went to New York and beat a, a what I don't think is a very good Jets team, um, and didn't get a great performance from 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 Cam Newton. 
um, they have some work to do. So between the two of those, I would say right now the Falcons are playing at a higher level and would be the more formidable opponent. Do we dare? I mean, with tiebreakers considering now the Vikings won that game at Detroit, it seems to put Detroit in the rearview mirror. They're certainly still in the playoff picture, but the only team we haven't really mentioned is Seattle. Yeah. Are, are we writing them off, or does history tell us you never write Seattle off, even though what, their two best defensive players are out for they're, the season? They're really banged but up. But dare you write them off with what they've done in the last six to seven years? No, I think we've seen that Russell Wilson, as we talked about quarterbacks earlier and people who can demonstrably raise the uh, the level of play relative to their to their uh, to their surroundings, and Russell Wilson is one of them. So, if you want to say, is there a player on on a team right now who can lift up lift up his team and make them perform at a higher level than than they otherwise would, Russell Wilson is definitely one of them. And so, for that reason, I wouldn't write them off. But uh, you know, and in reality, if if the Rams had lost yesterday to uh, the Saints, which isn't a, an outlandish suggestion, I. I believe in tiebreakers, at least Seattle will be back in the driver's seat in the, in the uh, NFC West. And so they're not that far off. Uh, they've already beaten the Rams once and they have, and that was at the Rams. So they have the Rams coming into Seattle where they could make up more ground. So it's still very much within Seattle's grasp. And with a player as transcendent in my mind as Russell Wilson, they can certainly get it done. So I would not write them off uh, knowing how that schedule is going to play out, knowing they have the Rams coming to them. If they can keep within one game, um, and finish the season just in a tie. They'll have that head-to-head tiebreaker if they can beat them when they come to Seattle. Well, pivoting over to the AFC, it is much more wide open. Obviously, the top two seeds, New England and Pittsburgh, sitting there at 9-2, and two, as we probably thought they were, and they're looking at a head-to-head matchup later this uh, season as well. Where do you see... Where do you see everything shaking out, maybe through three versus six there, and and, and who has the advantage and why? Yeah, it's it's murky there, and, and there's probably not, a, to be honest, not a Super Bowl-winning team in that group. Um, right now, Tennessee and Jacksonville are slugging it out uh, in the NFC or the AFC South to try to determine who's going to win the um, uh, the division. And, and and the fact that the that the team that doesn't of those two that doesn't win the division would be in the driver's seat for a wild card bid is probably all you need to know um, about the state of the AFC. So. You know, it looks like there could very easily be two uh, two uh, AFC South teams in the playoffs, and and I wouldn't expect either one of them to advance very far. Um, and then uh, so that's you know that's how it more or less plays out. Then you look at the AFC West, and nobody wants to win that division. The Chiefs have lost five of their last six games, and they're still in first place. Uh, the Chargers have come out of nowhere after an 0-4 start, and it's not out of the question that they could overtake the Chiefs if they keep slumping this way, but. That's another division where you wouldn't expect anybody, either whoever comes out of that, uh, to, to really challenge. So it's really the Steelers and Patriots and everyone else. But you know, you look at Jacksonville, you look at Tennessee, and then you look at whoever is going to slug it out at the end of that AFC West uh, race, which could easily be the, the Chargers, based on how the Chiefs are playing right now. And how are we to assess the Bills? They get a big win at Arrowhead. They're going to miss the playoffs the, because, because of, of the one Nathan game. Peterman experiment. Right. I mean, yeah, that's what that. it looks like. Yeah, that was not a good tiebreaker situation for them, and not and obviously I doubt that was very far down the list. Uh, if they, it would have helped them better to to start Nathan Peterman against an NFC team because conference record is a very uh, important tiebreaker, and they ended up going to Sandy or going to Los Angeles and losing uh, to the Chargers. Maybe they would have lost with Tyrod Taylor anyway, given how the Chargers are playing. But uh, having lost that game. Um, and then go, coming back uh, to Tyrod Taylor and getting back on track, 
you know, you wonder if you look back on that and say that's where the uh, the Bills lost out in the playoffs. It wouldn't be anything new in Buffalo. They've missed the playoffs for a few years. I believe it was since the uh, Jim Kelly administration that they last been there. But ninety nine, uh, right? Ninety nine. So it's been the longest streak, I believe. Uh, and you know, even the Jaguars have 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 made it uh, since since then. Um, and uh, you know, I I I would think that uh, that they'll look back at that. Um, very longingly, they, I, but but at the end of the day, this you know, it, are Tennessee and Jacksonville both gonna gonna stay afloat? You know, Buffalo could still easily sneak in, and it's possible that a nine and seven record in the AFC could do it for them. My favorite follows on Twitter across the board are the people that can can put me on to good things. And listeners, this is why you follow Kevin Seifert. He does amazing NFL analysis. However, last night I was trying to do trying to do my show prep for this show. And you put me on the trail of the dozens, maybe hundreds of people that were tweeting at mm-hmm. NFL player agent Mike McCartney, yeah. thinking that he was Packer head coach Mike McCarthy. I'd like to thank you for sending me down a half-hour rabbit hole of just oh. watching people just MF him up and down the street and the way he handled it. I was dying. And this happens so much. I don't know if it's just the auto, auto infill thing that people <laughs> uh, just don't look closely at, or do people really have that much of a hard time but distinguishing names? And, 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 and do they assume that Mike McCarthy, of all people, is on Twitter in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Why would he be on there not. taking those volleys? Yeah. 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 That, that's a beyond, yeah, one of many things. Mike Tomlin, happened, you know, talking about last night, he is on Twitter. I doubt he reads his mentions. Uh, but uh, there are a few NFL coaches on Twitter. None of them are reading it during the game, I'm pretty sure, which is when all those tweets were coming in. And, uh, and I'm guessing uh, uh, Mike McCarthy isn't missing anything by not checking Mike McCartney's mentions today. <laughs> Kevin, thanks a lot. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, guys. Yep. Kevin Seaver from ESPN.com. I'll be honest. I get a lot of tweets. Uh, the football player, Chris Long, does a, he's donating his entire salary this year. To charity, uh, he's from Charlottesville, Virginia. A lot that went on with the the social things in sure. Charlottesville. He's been very active in that. I get a lot of praise on Twitter do for you, all of my charitable acts all? and all of the wonderful things that I'm doing. Uh, I don't usually respond. I just sort of let it go. But yeah, if you type at Chris Long, you should Twitter, pin some of those tweets. I should, I should. make yourself feel good send, every day. Send them here upstairs and say, "Hey, look at all the people love what I'm what I'm doing." So I certainly can relate to that slightly. Uh, we will talk about uh, coming up next. One of the strangest. It happens every year on this day when the college football season ends. The the, the coaching Black carousel, Monday, right? The coaching carousel spins, and it spun yesterday. And the last thing that it landed on late last night was societally and sort of a where we are in culture now, an incredible picture of life in big-time sports in the world of social media in 2017. We'll talk about that next. He's Brian Murphy, Dave Harrigan producing. I'm Chris Long. It's Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. We return on 1500 ESPN. It's just really going to be interesting to see the the repercussions and and the aftershocks because now tell me this, uh, what what reasonable coach is going to want to go to this university and, and, and take this job after this unbelievable uh, embarrassment? Chris Long, Brian Murphy, Dave Harrigan here. It's Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hope everybody had a wonderful holiday weekend. A lot of people at the University of Tennessee Athletic Department did not have a wonderful holiday weekend. Not only did a miserable season come to a close, they don't get... By all accounts, their first or second, maybe third choice as new head coach. Uh, Dan Mullen goes to Florida. John Gruden, who was hanging out with Peyton Manning in Knoxville, and that became a thing. I don't know how far that got, but that doesn't happen. 
Um, Scott Frost was a guy they wanted. He is either certainly going to stay down in Florida or he's going to go to Nebraska. Nebraska's AD even name-checked him at the we're firing Mike Riley press conference the other day, which was interesting. And don't forget, there are a lot of people thinking, this just dawned on me, there's a lot of people thinking that the reason P.J. Fleck got that where-did-that-come-from extension was because someone with Tennessee might have sniffed around and the U went, oh, it's the same thing happened with Richard Pitino. Alabama, when they hired, I believe it was Avery Johnson, in a strange little happenstance, first situation that we'll discuss in the next hour. Uh, That's why Richard Pitino may have gotten his extension, because Alabama may have come calling. So Tennessee might have even, I don't want to say ask or called, but glanced P.J. Flex way. So they land on Greg Schiano, who had a a program-changing stint at Rutgers, uh, which ultimately paved the way to him being the head coach, an ill-fated head coaching stint with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I didn't even know where he'd been until yesterday. I didn't realize he was Urban Meyer's defensive coordinator at Ohio State. I, I, I love college football. I followed college football. Can't tell you who the coordinators are for most of the teams. Good for you. That's a healthy, <laughs> yeah. that's a health, probably a healthy thing. So I see the news yesterday and all the moves are happening. Kevin Sumlin is out at Texas A&M. Um, no, no surprise No, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Arizona State makes a move. Um, Mullen to Florida. And I see Greg Schiano hired by Tennessee. And I, the first thing I think is, now Schiano has a reputation as sort of a surly, my way or the highway guy. Didn't go too well in uh, Tampa for him. No, but that's suited to college football. Yes. Nick Saban failed miserably with the Miami Dolphins. You're not going to get grown men to necessarily follow you in that regard. Right. Nick Saban, and I celebrate it every time I mention it, failed miserably with the Miami Dolphins. Um, so, okay, Shiano's going back to college. Uh, and that Tennessee spot's a tough spot right now. You are drifting in the doldrums of the SEC, which is not exactly the easiest conference to get a toehold in, and they've tried from Lane Kiffin to um, Bush Davis. Nothing's clicked. Uh, Tough job. But, you know, if he's going to, you know, he took a step back from the NFL, went to Ohio State as a coordinator, now he's back in his head coach. Okay. I didn't remember. I think I remember his name coming up during the whole Penn State cyclone that kicked up. Uh, rightfully, the right. phrase the phrase turns turned white as a ghost is yeah. what did it for me when he was confronted or supposedly uh, saw something that he uh, was disgusted by. So Shiano gets hired at Tennessee, and maybe rightfully, a lot of fans, Tennessee fans, don't, don't like to hire um, because of football. I don't think that's the case. It here. started because of football, <laughs> and then enough people sort of came out and kicked over some stone. This happened in six hours. Uh, people started to draw lines between Greg Schiano and Jerry Sandusky that I don't know factually if they exist. A lot of guilt by association. He was a part of the, the Jerry Sandusky situation at Penn State. And I'll tell you what, I want to do a quick segment on this, but there's more meat to this. Let's pick this up in the next segment. Um, Want to talk about sort of where we are with social media and its impact on big-time sports. Brian Murphy, Chris Long, it's Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.